0: Sunday in Lent is St. Patrick's Day, as evidenced by a lot of people wearing green. And traditionally, this was meant to be a mass. St. Patrick's Day was a time when Christians would gather together and they would worship and celebrate the work of God through the vessel Of St. Patrick. And in the Catholic Church, it had been that for many years. But as cultures clash, collide, and combine, too often St. Patrick's Day is more of an excuse for drunken behavior and debauchery. So I thought perhaps we could redeem it a little bit by talking about who St. Patrick really is. One of the glorious things about the global Christian church is that we are given an opportunity to be blessed by, encouraged through, and aware of people who are not necessarily in the same denomination. And in the United Methodist Church, we recognize that we were descended from the Anglican Church of England and also the Roman Catholic Church. And so that tradition and that history is part of who we are, and we are encouraged to engage it and to use it to fuel our faith even now in 2019. St. Patrick, was born in 385, a long time ago. And few people know nowadays, in our current context, just who this person was. He was actually Italian. His parents were Roman citizens, and he was born in the British Empire in England. And at the age of 16, he was kidnapped by Irish raiders who transported him by a ship over to Ireland and enslaved him. For six years, he lived under bondage, and there he served as a shepherd caring for sheep by his oppressors. And finally, he was able to convince some boatmen to carry him back to England so that he could be reunited with his family. And as he made that journey and came home to England, he was able to reflect on how his faith and his Christianity had sustained him during this pain and suffering, this enslavement and bondage. Many of us would probably be so relieved to be out of that situation that we would never want to go back, We would never want to engage with those people who were part of our suffering. And yet, St. Patrick determined that he would not only go and get trained as a priest, but that he would return to Ireland to bless them with the faith that had sustained him in his time of need. He recognized that the people often suffered from foreign oppression and foreign conquerors, that they too were struggling for economic prosperity, and some of them were struggling just to survive. And he wanted to give them a gift, the gift of his faith. And so he returned to Ireland as a missionary bishop, which is why if you see some of the classical depictions of St. Patrick, he often looks very papal and pope-like because he's clothed in his bishop arraignment. And as he returned there, he did something truly genius. He didn't condemn the Irish people. Their practice at the time had been a form of paganism and shamanistic religion that the Druids practiced. It was a lot of nature worship, a lot of celestial worship, and it was not of the church. And their religion was actually a very old faith of the people there in Ireland. Very naturalistic. And so as he returned there, unlike a lot of missionaries and conquerors in Christendom, he didn't tell them that everything that they knew, everything that they had been, and everything that they currently were was evil. Instead, he encouraged them to use who they were and what they knew and engage the gift of the church and God's grace in Jesus Christ and to come together with those two things. He looked around at things that were uniquely Irish, and he brought them into his evangelism. We see this repeatedly with things that we associate with St. Patrick's Day. For instance, some of you may be sporting either shamrocks, a three-leaf clover, which is the national symbol of Ireland, or you might be sporting a four-leaf clover, which is a symbol of luck. It's an aberration. It's not the natural form of clover, but every now and then four leaves are formed. St. Patrick looked at a three-leaf clover, and he saw how there were three leaves, and they were united in one stem. And he used that to teach the people of Ireland about the Trinity, that there were three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and they were united in one single Godhead, and that was the stem of the shamrock. And so wherever they went, wherever clover was covering the ground, they could look in nature and they could see reminders of God's presence and blessing. And he redeemed something that they loved so readily and was able to show them how they could take that and incorporate it into their faith. He's also attributed to being the one who created the Celtic cross. And you might be familiar with the Celtic cross. It's a cross very much like our sanctuary cross, but there's a circle around that cross in the middle of it. And crosses in the Druid faith, not crosses, circles in the Druid faith were prolific. You might be familiar with Stonehenge. Circles. Circles are not only cycles, but they also remind us of the change of seasons and the life cycle. They are also symbols for both the sun and the moon and the lunar worship. And so by taking something that they already held sacred, a circle, and combining it with the cross, St. Patrick was able to show them that they were not horrible people, but that already that they were blessings. Already they were an amazing per- pe- group of people loved by God and to whom God simply wanted to give more blessing. And so he created not only the Celtic cross, but a gift that Ireland has been spreading through their Christianity all over the world. Many of us might not only have a Celtic cross somewhere, but we're readily aware and familiar with it. And so he engaged who they are and allowed them to celebrate who they are. In a letter to, to Galatia, that I read from, from just a moment ago, if we were to continue reading that letter, you would see that there was a struggle in Galatia, unlike some of the other churches that Paul had founded, because the people there were struggling with whether or not, in order to be a Christian, did you first have to become a Jew. In scholastic dialogue in the Bible, we call this Judaizing Christians, that before you could become a Christian, you had to become a Jew, which means that you had to be circumcised, which every guy was yearning to do in their 20s and 30s. And then you had to keep kosher and all of the commandments just so that then you could believe in Jesus Christ. And I'm pretty sure that you lost most people when you started talking about circumcision. Forget 613 commandments. And Paul said, that is not the point. Gentiles are not evil people. They are a different people. They are people outside of the covenant of Sinai. They are not the people of Moses, but they are just as much evil people loved by God. And so Paul fought vigorously for them, that they did not need to do all these things. And Paul said, look, I am a Pharisee. I am a Jew. I am circumcised. I am under the covenant. If anybody knows what that is like, it is me. And I am telling all of these Gentiles, don't do it. Instead, Christ and God's grace are enough. They are enough for us. And so we don't need to resort to compelling all of Galatia and Corinth and Ephesus into becoming Jews before they can be Christians. In fact, Paul's argument was all you're doing is creating more barriers for people to accept accept the love and grace of God. If you keep telling them that they are not good enough, that they are horrific people, that everything that they have ever known and loved and all of their cultural identity and their nationalistic identity is evil then why would they want to listen to you? And St. Patrick embodied this. The fact that he is the patron saint of Ireland and he's not even Irish. But he loved them so profoundly. He gave them the only thing he really had that was of any lasting legacy and integrity, and that is his faith. And he went back to these people. And he lived in their midst and he celebrated who they were. He walked with them, and he loved them, and he gave them gifts and empowered them to share those gifts with the world. And today, all over the world, people are celebrating not just St. Patrick, but what it means to be Irish, because they recognize that the two are tied, and St. Patrick wouldn't have it any other way. Through his suffering and the sin that he encountered that not only brought him to Ireland, but forced him into servitude there, he found that God was able to transform that experience and allow him to speak to these people in a way that someone else could not because they did not know them. They had not lived in their midst. They had not glimpsed glory in them and through them even before he came back to share his faith with them. We as Christians here and now are given this same gift, There is something uniquely special about every single Christian that empowers us to share our faith in a way that someone will receive only through us. And for some of us, it's our ability to talk about our faith. For others, it's an ability to encapsulate what it feels like. Because we believe that when you become a Christian, you are not the same. You have been changed. And that through the Miraculous work of the Holy Spirit and sanctifying grace, we continue to be changed. We are not perfect simply because we accept God's grace, but instead we are being perfected because we continually strive to be in right relationship with the one who gave us the grace. And it is that journey, that recognition, that movement ever closer to God and to the kingdom to come that enables us to say things in a way that is uniquely us. And St. Patrick found his voice, and then he was willing to accept a people to whom God sent him. And if that isn't the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm not really sure what is. That we recognize that whether it's in our homes, in our neighborhoods, our communities, our schools, our jobs, that we have been given a place, a sphere, a realm of influence where we can carry forth our faith. And that doesn't mean that each of us need to get a Bible and walk around and thump people with it or try to wow them with our understanding of doctrine and theology, but instead that we live out what it is to have Christ in us. As Galatians says, that Christ is now in me. And I don't think that Jesus needs to hear his name every other word that comes out of his mouth, our mouth, but instead that the love and the compassion the acts of kindness and mercy, that those are the things that preach the gospel the loudest. Those are the things that truly impact people. Because there was too long in the history of Christendom when we walked up to someone and said, if you're not a Christian, then you are no good. You are not good enough. You are not like me. And until you choose to become like me, you will always be a second-class human being. But that is not the way of God. The scriptures tell us repeatedly that God looked at people that the rest of the world shunned, that the rest of the world thought were inferior and unworthy. And God says, I not only love you, but I will work through you. And the church continues to be that place. Where people find that they are valued. That they have worth. Sacred worth. And when we, as modern disciples of Jesus Christ, choose to allow our faith to be enlivened and enacted through not only our beings but our lives, then we are capable of changing this world, transforming not only how individual persons think and feel about themselves, but how they recognize that God feels about them. And when you have that experience, whether you were born and raised in the church and gradually educated, or whether you had that moment where Everything changed in a flash. We recognize that God is able to take both of those unique trajectories of faith and use them together to offer a fuller picture. That's precisely what St. Patrick was doing when he looked out into the green fields of Ireland and took a clover, took the shamrock, and showed them just how much they had been blessed. The Trinity is all around you. Every time you see a field of clover in Ireland, you are looking at symbols of the Trinity. And we are given that opportunity as Christians, whether we are Irish or not. And so it's a perfect opportunity when St. Patrick's Day falls on a Sunday for Christendom to offer a little bit of insight about just how amazing St. Patrick was. That it's not about green beer. It's not just about exploring the culinary delights of corned beef and cabbage and soda bread. Or appreciating people with pale skin, finally. (laughs) But instead, that there was this incredible human being, and he was human. We realize he's St. Patrick, but he wasn't a saint because he was perfect. He was a saint because he was a servant of Jesus Christ. And that is what all of us are invited and encouraged and equipped to do because of God's grace. May all of us work to embody that same sainthood that doesn't say that we are sinless or that we are perfect, but that we are willing. And because of God, we are able. The struggle of Judaizing Christians could have killed the early church. The early apostolic church could have become so bound up in putting layers and layers and layers upon people who were struggling with the concept of Christianity. And whether or not it was something that even resonated, much less something that they wanted to fully take on in their being. But because of one profoundly powerful voice in the Apostle Paul. Instead, he was willing to open up an entire future in the church. Very few modern Christians truly trace themselves back to Judaism. Most of us are Gentiles redeemed. And we are here because one person saw that we were not evil, but that we were able to embrace this grace with our own voice and our own culture, our own background and genealogy, and that God could overcome any obstacle for us to allow us to experience the fullness of God's grace. And hundreds of years later, in a little emerald isle, another servant of the church by the name of Patrick believed that that was still true. And because of that, Christianity not only took root in Ireland, but has flourished and has not only flavored the global Christian church, but enables people to see that there is a liveliness, an energy, and something beautiful about Christianity. And today is our day to share that. So the last thing that I will leave with you is that there is a difference between luck and blessing. And today you'll hear a lot about the luck of the Irish. And they do seem to be lucky people that statistically they seem to make it through some pretty incredible trials and tribulations, famines and and loss of entire eras of food production, I mean, just all kinds of issues that the Irish have overcome and seem to be pretty happy people. So that's luck. That's happenstance. Blessing is something that comes from God, where God chooses to bless. Now, God didn't bless Patrick with slavery. God didn't bless Patrick with this experience that was so horrific so that he would have something cool to talk about in his ministry. God chose to bless Patrick with a strong enough faith and conviction and love for another people that were not his own. So that when he did the work of the church and went back as a missionary bishop, that his ministry would in turn be a blessing. We are a people who are blessed to be a blessing. And when we first recognize just how good God has been to us, then we are freed to bless other people so that they in turn will recognize that God is blessing them and that the joy that Christians have is not luck. It is a gift of God. And if we are willing to share that in our own voices and our own ways, our own gestures, our own embodied living, Then the church will continue to be a place where those who feel like they have been shunned and rejected and cast aside in this world will discover that God's love and unparalleled grace is theirs. And the kingdom shall come a little closer, and we will be drawn a little nearer until Christ returns to us and is able to bring all into the kingdom that he inaugurated with his birth, that he prepared through his earthly ministry. And that he has turned over to us to continue the building. May that be not only part of who we are this day, but who we grow into being. For the journey never ends until we arrive in the kingdom to come. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit we pray. Amen.